You are listening to From Sobriety to Recovery with Jesse Mogul, episode 143. Let's get to the show. Welcome back to From Sobriety to Recovery. I am your host, Jesse Mogul, and I am in addiction recovery. Boy, oh boy, is my brain firing on all cylinders right now. Let's get right into this because there's a lot I want to discuss today with y'all. And I'm already concerned this is going to be like a 45-minute long episode. I hope you've been enjoying the story arc I have us currently going on where we're passing the baton between 2021 and 2022 uh, from December 1st to February 1st. And if you go back to episode 139. If you're listening to these linearly, then obviously you're following along. We've, we're passing the baton. Uh, the next episode, we really hammer down into the masks that we wear and what that's going to look like for us as far as what role are we playing? What role have we been perceiving ourselves to play in public? Uh, what roles have we been playing in our own home, in our own lives? What masks are we ready to take off so that we can be our truest selves? Also understanding that there's sort of hats that we wear. There's a time when you're the dad and another time when you're the boss or the employee and another time you're in the meeting when you're in addiction recovery and sobriety and you're talking. Like there's hats that we can wear. We don't want to be wearing masks that hide our true self. Yes, there's can be a governor on us, which is what they put on go-karts to make sure they don't go super fast. So that's what a governor is. It's something you put on an engine so that it can only reach a top speed. We want to put a bit of a governor on our emotions in certain situations, right? We may not want to blow up into tears at work and have people questioning the validity of our professionalism when there would be absolutely better, safer spaces to do that in. So let's be very mindful of the awareness we have around how the environment can impact how we behave. But it doesn't have to be a mask. It can merely be a hat. You're, you're, you're going in and you're performing and you're playing this certain role in this moment, um, but you don't have to mute yourself. You can speak up uh, when you feel like something is going incongruently towards your morals, ethics, and values, right? When something starts to push against your integrity, you can stand up, raise your hand, and say, yeah, what if we were to think of it this way? Or how about we think about it that way? And so we want to be mindful of masks versus hats, and that's uh, very much covered in 141, so we're not going to go in too deep. And I may have misnumbered some of these in the notes, so just go back two episodes or three, and you'll see the masks that we wear. 142, we covered fear and having people recognizing and understanding the changes in us. And as I was really thinking about what I was going to discuss tonight, something happened on the way to the gym. And I got this, like, this, this thought popped into my head. It's like, I am not what I've done. I am not what I do. I am not the labels that have been placed upon me. And I wrote this on my dry erase board literally as I was walking out the door, and I'm not really sure what triggered it, but I absolutely know that my brain has since been going off and thinking about it a lot. And so if I had to just do a shotgun dime store psychology on myself, as I think I've been going through these different episodes discussing about well-formed outcomes and achieving 
our highest sense of self in 2022 and really clicking off some major awesome stuff, whether that's just getting sober or it's stepping into addiction recovery or it's working on remodeling your home or loving your spouse or your partner, or your children more or being more physically active and going to the gym, right? All of these things that we want to achieve, but they're not us. It's not me. I am not the things that I'm doing. I am not the things that I have done. And as I encourage everyone to push themselves outside of their comfort zone and you know become more uncomfortable, become more comfortable in your uncomfort zone, I think it's really important before we start to get too deep into this process over the next six to eight weeks and as we really start to fine-tune what we're discussing here, that we make sure that we're very clear that you are not what you're doing. You are not what you have done. This almost like cult-like fascination with with gripping to the fact that we were addicts and saying that we're addicts in, in that kind of idea. And again, everybody was having their own way of discussing this stuff and every organization that wants to discuss it, feel free to discuss it as you please. Here in the From Sobriety to Recovery world, amongst my Wise Mind Empowerment and Recovery tribe, we're not identifying ourselves as addicts. We can be in addiction recovery. We can be in long-term recovery like young people in, uh, was it YPR, young people in recovery? That's the way they frame it. Like That's more powerful toward language because we're not what we have done any more than what we're, we are what we're doing now. So if we're going to release the identity that we had created around being an addict and about the mistakes that we made, and I don't think I need to start throwing out hypotheticals if you're listening to the show, you've got a couple hundred memories of shit you'd rather forget, right? We aren't any more that version of ourselves, then we can start to cling on the new version, right? It's like if we're gonna if we're not going to anchor ourselves into who we used to behave like, then we want to be very mindful to not also anchor ourselves in our new behaviors because it's not who we are. It's not what identifies us. I'm not hanging my hat on the hook of I'm sober and then that's it, right? Like the name of my future book will be, you know, great, you're sober. Now what? It's it's a thing we have done, but it is not who we are. And so as we begin to have well-formed outcomes and, and seek to achieve these massive goals, and by no means, and come on, y'all know me, by no means am I downplaying the amazingness, the enormity of stepping into sobriety and recovery. It is beautiful. It is gorgeous over here. If you haven't done it yet, please join us. <laughs> the view is amazing. I want to be extremely mindful of us making sure that as we accomplish new and amazing things in our lives, we realize what we're doing. We're building up ourselves in a way that our roles, the roles that we take on, it could be roles of sobriety and recovery. It could be roles of mother, father. It could be all of these different ways that are labels, right? Versus how we, how do we identify ourselves? Um, I was talking to a client today and I was like, okay, let's look at something from the surface level and it's that, but what, what is it underneath and then underneath and then underneath? That's really the root of it, right? It could, that's, what we're looking for. So let's use the example of sobriety. Sobriety is the top. It's the iceberg. It's what people see. It's it's what 
that might be how they would want to label or define you. What's really happening underneath the surface, though, is commitment. It's discipline. It's willpower. It's uh, courage. It's, it's my seven powerful principles, of course, right? Developing a growth mindset, cultivating courage, being decisive, taking action, embracing discipline, exercising flexibility, embodying tenaciousness. Obviously, that that right that those are the things that are happening underneath the surface it's the releasing of fear it's the embracing of love it's the releasing of fear of commitment or releasing the fear of abandonment right these are the things that are occurring underneath sobriety is what people want to pin the medal on us for right think military somebody gets a golden heart and it's they say it's a purple heart for bravery okay but what happened underneath the surface to earn that purple heart what happened underneath the surface for you to earn that chip? That's what we begin to identify ourselves as. These are the things that we're like, oh, I'm disciplined. Oh, I'm courageous. Oh, I'm, you know, we start to identify and label ourselves with these principles. The issue that I can find in that philosophy is that there will be times in our lives where we might not be as disciplined, not be as courageous, not take actual action as steadfastly as we had previously done. And when we identify ourselves as these principles, and then we do not adhere to them, we do not live up to them in our own minds, then our identity can start to fall down around us. We might even find ourselves in a bit of an identity crisis. So when I go back and I think about the um, Untethered Soul by uh, Singer, and I've talked about that plenty of times, he discusses how we are not the voices in our head, that we're not even the voice in our head, that deeper down in, into us is this, is this beautiful, graceful, unconscious mind that is the divinity that is in all of us. It is like the God that would exist, it would exist in us in this way, where we are this, this perfect identification of a creature. And it's all of our life that starts to um, tamper with that starts to give us these ideas that we're not amazing, that we're not uh, within the capacity to grow, that we're somehow limited, that poor habits and, and bad decisions are what we have to anchor to and we can't release those, right? That's what life has been doing to us. And now it's up to us to step into that process of healing that. Our traumas aren't our fault. We've discussed that. It's our responsibility to heal them. Our labels that I, that society has slapped upon us or that we have begun to label ourselves aren't necessarily our fault either. And they're mutable. They're absolutely changeable. When we're proactive, we can unlearn poor habits and we can learn new, more desirable habits. We can change our personalities for the better. We can understand some of the personality profilings that have been labeled upon us, and we can say, well, okay, I have been labeled as somebody with a short temper, so moving forward, I'm going to begin to identify as somebody who is patient, and when I find myself being short-tempered, I'm going to stop myself, slow everything down, and get grounded into the moment, and then stop that on a dime. And there obviously is going to be times where we're going to ebb and flow through that, but it's the seeking of bettering of ourselves that we're, that we're diving into here, forming this clear concept around who is it that I want to become? Who is it that you're already becoming? What part of you is already there? 
This goes back to a topic I've brought up before, is that we often want what we already have. I want my cell phone. I want my Hyundai Santa Fe. I want to be living in Huntsville. I want to be communicating with my friends as openly and honestly and lovingly as I am. I want to have uh, closer relationships, and I want to have a thriving business, and I want to be an honorable man, and I want to live in a life of integrity. These are some of these things I'm, I am rocking out, and some of them I am still working on. But in a way, I already have all of them in some variation or another. So what is it that you're already achieving that you're not even noticing? How are you allowing these old labels of who you used to be and what you used to do still hold you back from who you can be achieving yourself toward today? How are these old labels and these old masks that you used to wear concealing the amazing improvements that you're making on a day-to-day basis? I care less about if everyone around me notices them as much as when I look in the mirror, am I paying attention? Am I self-aware of what I'm actually doing? And is it bettering me? Is the ecology of it working in a way that not only it betters me, but it betters my loved ones and it betters the world in general? There's a a book, David Goggins, Can't Hurt Me, and he has this mirror. And right now my brain isn't isn't giving it to me, so I'm going to pause. Give me one minute. I'll be back. The Accountability Mirror. I was only gone for like 45 seconds, and it probably seemed like no seconds at all to you. <laughs> so I Googled it real fast, and, and uh, I loved this book. I, I've, I've listened to it twice through already, and I found some really great synopsises of it online. He has this accountability mirror, and it's about not lying to yourself. And he'd look in this mirror and he'd say, you're fat, you're lazy, and you're a liar. What are you going to do about it? And he would be really upfront into his own world. and so. One of the things that I've been doing is just holding myself very much accountable to releasing the old version of myself and not trying to attach too much on the new version of myself either, right? I, I was a drunk. I, I, was, I was a liar. I was a thief. I, was, I betrayed people and I deceived people. Now I focus on not being those things. And while I still you know, can ebb and flow through certain aspects of those characteristics, I'm very mindful when I catch myself behaving in certain ways to get in front of my mirror and say, you, this is not who you want to be. This is not who you are becoming. So why are you still going back to some of these old behaviors? Just as much as I don't latch on to the identity of a best-selling author, a top-selling podcaster, or, or this speech person, this presentations, I'm, you know, that's what I do, but that's not who I am. And while I, and, and trust me, guys, I'm still figuring a lot of this stuff out about who I am. Again, that untethered soul, this, I cannot figure that book out. I've listened to it like four times. I've tore it apart with notes. I still am not figuring it out perfectly. And again, it's all about progression, right? So what is perfect, but at least want to be able to wrap my mind around what this guy is saying sometimes. And I just, I'm like, if I listen to it 17 times, maybe it'll finally click. And that's why I bring this to you guys now, because as we're going through these well-formed outcomes and we're really diving into who we want to become, we could start to very much attach ourselves to what we're doing, what we are achieving, right? It's, you know, it's, it's very much like, well, I'm sober now what, right? Right. The world isn't going to pat you on the back and give you a million dollars because you sobered up. 
I mean, even if you, you know, you'd still have to go write a book and create a podcast and do a bunch of other stuff before the world would even discover you. And then maybe then they'd give you a couple dollars, but don't expect a million unless you put in a ton of work. Like you see these people, they're not overnight successes. They've been busting their ass in the shadows for years. And then all of a sudden, you know, they become best new artists. And it's like, uh, that was like their seventh album. (laughs) Just because you finally discovered them does not make them new. And it's what you're doing. You're putting in a ton of effort in the shadows. And then one day it clicks and people notice it. But first and foremost, you need to notice it. So what are some aspects that we can start to utilize in helping us? So some of the, and again, I went rabbit hole deep on this one and I don't even begin to think I can cover it all. But one of the cool things that I came across and, and I began to expand upon it in my own mind is that we, a lot of it is it's personal. What we're looking to do within ourselves is is extremely personal. We can look at our mission and what we value the most. We can look at our vision and what we want to become. We can look at the goals, right? how we aim to achieve our vision, and we can look at the strategy, how we will assess our successes. How are you able to, in NLP, we call it the convincer strategy. How will you know when you have achieved this goal? It's part of the well-formed outcome process that I just taught to the tribe two weeks ago. It's so if you're sitting there with pen and a paper and you're taking notes, put down personal and then put mission, vision, goals. I'm sorry, it's mission, vision, strategy, goals. How will you, how will you assess your successes into how do you aim to achieve the vision, right? And so it becomes like this very circular idea. What is it you value? So, and if it's, you know, if you value, um, helping others, okay, so maybe that's what you make your vision. What do you want to become? Somebody who helps others. Awesome. What's your strategy to achieve that? Great. You figured that out. What are the goals you're going to, you're going to aim yourself toward in order to achieve this mission of helping people? So it's very circular mission, vision, strategy, goals. And then obviously there's the taking action in there because when we begin to, identify ourselves too much. Like, let's say I identified myself as a podcaster and that's, I went around, I held, I, I put, I attached my entire identity around this show and then iTunes kicks me off or I lose my microphones and I no longer can do the show anymore. If I've attached so much of my identity to being a podcaster and then that goes away, now what am I identity identifying as? Then I find myself in this identity crisis and this is where we begin to watch the world around us crumble. Not for necessarily because we want to, but just because we haven't really been clear about how we're going to define ourselves. Society has no problem, none, slapping labels on every single one of us. Hell, it's half the reason why half the country hates the other. Half of the country and the media is telling us all to hate one another. Right, It can separate us by where we live, the language we speak, the religion we follow, our height, our eye color, our hair color, how much weight do we have, right? skin tone, dialect. I mean, you could. I often say, it's funny, on the West Coast, if you were a fan of the Florida Gators, you were immediately friends with anybody you met in Southern California who was a fan of the Florida Gators. Go back to Florida where there's 100,000 Florida Gator fans, and you might walk by all of them in a day and never even say hi. In, in Los Angeles, you're stopping every single person you see with a Gator logo and talking to them, right? It's it's almost like the more of us there are, the less willing we are to be friends with other people. 
get a get a whole stadium full of addiction recovery people and you know yeah we're all going to be chatting and talking to one another but we're going to segment off you go find somewhere where you only see two other people that you can identify as in addiction recovery and they're going to be your homies at the event the rest of the day <laughs> probably the ones that aren't standing in line at the bar so because society has no problem labeling us we want to be really mindful of the labels that we label ourselves with because it's how we're identifying ourselves to ourselves in our head that ultimately makes up who we become. I think one of the great philosophers out there said something about like, uh, we are what we repeatedly do. So life is a habit, something like that. I'm totally butchering that. I'm sorry, Nostradamus or whoever that I just butchered your, your quote. But the way I take it is, is that what we repeatedly do is what we, who we repeatedly become. And that's how we start to attach our identity to some of these principles I talked about earlier. In the end of this episode, it may have left you with more questions than answers, but I'm having a lot of questions right now with no answers, so why not put you in the same situation? (laughs) Right, because how are we going to identify ourselves? Do we even need to be identifying ourselves? Right, So many times in our lives, the decisions that we made seem to stick with us forever. We'll have family members or friends consistently bring them up. We'll, we'll tell them about a goal or a dream that we're having about our lives, and they'll want to bring up the 15 times in our past that we couldn't achieve it. Good or bad, it's like somehow these decisions seem to follow us. Even when we move environments and no one knows us, we still have those memories in our head. Whether we like it or not, they're there. We can seek to detach from them, disassociate dissociate from them, right? And not in a way where we don't remember the lessons they provided, but we leave the trauma and the sadness of them in the past where it belongs. Take the lesson, leave the trauma. Tonya, should have t-shirts made up that say that. Take the lesson, leave the trauma. When we let these things define us, when we when we think that all of these decisions that we've made over time somehow de- define what our values and our morals and our ethics and our integrity are, right? That we we think they define our entire life, then we're misguided in that thought process. If you've ever heard someone say people don't change, that's a person projecting the fact that they either don't recognize their change or they're just so stubborn that even when they see change coming, they just I don't know, plant their flag in who they used to be. But we all change. I was once an 8-year-old who was obsessed with Transformers, and I was once a 13-year-old who was obsessed with baseball cards, and I don't think about either one of those two things anymore. It doesn't mean that those things are bad. It just means that I've gone off and started thinking about other things. I clearly have changed. We all have have something that we used to do and something that we do now. There has been change. Which certainly when we signed up for sobriety, we, unbeknownst to us, and I've said this before, we signed a contract to constantly be seeking change. And really, it comes down to, are you self-aware enough to notice the change? I mean, there's plenty of decisions that we've all made in our lives that we regret. I mean, that's, that we look back on and we're not proud of. We're like, what the hell was I thinking? I got a ton of them. I'm not going to hold on to them. I'm not going to anchor them. And I'm going to certainly begin, if I haven't already, continue to release the regret. Because that's, that's, having regret is like 
hating someone. It's like you're drinking poison trying to hurt them, but you're really hurting yourself. Regret is just drinking the poison knowing it's only going to hurt you. Even if you hurt someone else, you can apologize. You can seek and make amends, like step four talks about, and you can continue to behave a certain way. But if you slide back, if you show an ounce of the behavior that you used to succumb to on the regular, and you show an ounce of it now, that doesn't mean that you're still the old version of yourself. It just means that you're human. And the people around you need to be able to embrace that human side of you. To constantly seek perfection out of out of each other is a fool's errand. It's 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 ridiculous. It's actually it's cruel. It's cruel to try to hold somebody to a standard that you can't even live up to. Yes, I you know maybe used to go flirt with other people, or I used to show up to meetings late, or I used to not complete my homework on time. That's old behaviors. I do new behaviors now. Just because I show up five minutes late for a meeting doesn't mean like up oh, there you are just being old Jesse again. I'm like let's pump the brakes on that, right? <laughs> I did everything I could to get here on time. Trust me. I've talked to, I've told you guys how much I am about being on time. And I'm not even referencing myself in this story right now as much as I want to help bring you guys to a place where we realize that if we're attaching labels to ourselves and we're identifying with who we used to be or anchoring too much into the past or trying to anchor too much into the present and saying, well, I'm this, I'm this, I'm this, I'm this, I'm this then we're also projecting that out onto our loved ones. We're also holding our loved ones to a standard that we may not even be able to attain. Everything we've done has brought us here to where we're at today. And I have no doubt that there's some of you out there listening to this saying, well, I'm not where you're at, Jesse. I haven't achieved these things. I don't even want to achieve the things that you're achieving. I have my own list of things that I would like to achieve that would give me a modicum of confidence in myself and happiness in my journey. And I say, absolutely. Absolutely, I want that for you. I also want something for you that I've been wanting for myself for quite some time, and that's being okay with where I'm at right now. Knowing that it's a journey. And there might be, for some of you, a relapse that's already occurred or in your future. For some of you, it might be steadfast adherence to sobriety with uh, a lot of trepidation about addiction recovery. For some of you, you've already ventured into addiction recovery, but there's still some walls and barriers that you have to seek to achieve yourself around in order to really fulfill this meant to be in your life. And we're all working our way towards something. And we all have a choice whether we're going to be disciplined enough and focused on it each and every day to just move one step forward, one inch forward even. Everything that I've been through in my past has grown me to where I am today. I've said that countless times. And to be okay with who I was in my 20s, my teens even, my 20s and my 30s, I'm not just okay with it now because of the things that I've achieved now. I'm okay with it now because that version of me led me to where I am today. Not with my job, not in Huntsville, not with my car or my watch or my podcast or whatever, not, none of that. It led me into looking in the mirror and being happy with the person smiling back. Being, being happy with the way that I'm conducting my life. 
I'm not holding so steadfastly to my seven powerful principles or, or to other people's powerful principles or to just emotions. I'm realizing that I'm just this amazing human being who's got a whole lot of chaos going on sometimes and a whole lot of calmness going on other times. And I'm just this beautifully imperfect creature with a conscious mind that thinks way too much sometimes. <laughs> it doesn't let myself sleep on a Monday night at 12.30 a.m. <laughs> when I've got to be up at 8 a.m. for clients and in the gym and all this other stuff. Like, I am just beautifully imperfect. And I've, 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 I've loved and I've learned and I've laughed and I've, and I've cried and I've buried emotions and I've expressed them in, 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 in numerous ways. And everything that I've done in the past has helped me grow towards me now. And this is stuff that we've all thought or heard before, right? And it's, I don't know if there's an easy way to discuss identity and roles and masks and all of this stuff when it comes, it's, it's like today I said to, to, to one of my clients, I was like, I've talked a lot of theory, so how can we bring this into reality, right? Under, uh, understanding ourselves is to me one of the most crucial aspects of our sobriety and recovery journey. The relationship we have with ourselves is, it's integral. It's it's above and beyond what any other relationship that we can have in our lives. Because if we're not understanding ourselves, then what if we are wearing a mask? Or what if we are wearing a hat? We're wearing the, we're wearing the boss hat when we're talking to our spouse. Or we're, we're wearing the boss hat when we're talking to our kids. And they don't want us communicating with them like that. That's not the hat we could be wearing that would best suit that situation. What if we hold too steadfast to certain principles when in the moment other principles would be uh, would make the situation more more amenable right there's going to be times where it's like we know go this direction and, and and this will be what gets us out of the woods maybe not the best time to be flexible and listen to everybody else's opinion that wants you to turn around and go south by southwest when you know going north is the way out of the woods there's going to be some times where you might want to be a little bit more stubborn and say, no, this is what needs to be happening. This is what I'm going to do with my life. This self-awareness, this, there's a quote by Stephen Covey that says, self-awareness is our capacity to stand apart from ourselves and examine our thinking, our motives, our history, our scripts, our actions, and our habits and tendencies. This is what I talk about when it comes to awareness. That's really what I wanted to flip on this microphone and talk about tonight was what is this awareness we have around the labels that we've been slapping on ourselves, right? If I am not what I'm doing now any more than I was what I was doing then, then who am I? Well, I don't know. <laughs> I honestly don't. And you can Google the hell out of this, and there is a ton of information. I'm not done discussing this, but I definitely wanted to bring this conversation out because I, I don't think it's something that you just miraculously figure out in a 30-minute episode. Or I mean, there's thousands and thousands of books helping people become the best version of themselves as if that's somehow going to magically make everything in their life just fall into place, right? 
people who want to say, well, I'm a doctor, I'm a lawyer, I'm a mother, I'm a manager. Well, what happens to being a doctor or a lawyer or a mother or a manager or a boss or, a, you know, or being a loving person, right? And then you get angry, right? Or you quit your job or your kids graduate high school and they move away. And now all of a sudden you're not what you used to be. I see this happen in parents, obviously not in Huntsville as much. I'm not, I've only been here a short time, but definitely in Southern California, when I think about uh, watching some uh, mothers who literally just dote upon their children so much that they do not have an identity past their children's lives. And with them all getting ready to graduate high school, what are you going to do when that's all said and done? So are you defining yourself by what you do? What about, are you defining yourself by how you feel? Because defining yourself on how you feel is absolutely a fool's errand because emotions are fleeting and they, they come and go. If, we have 50,000 thoughts a day and every one of them comes with a feeling attached to it, then we're having like 50,000 feelings a day. So you definitely don't want to, don't want to be identifying yourself based on how you feel because that can come and go. And for some of the you that have, that have really corkscrewed yourself into this idea of depression and, and constant sadness and those kind of negative, undesirable, if you will, emotions, right? It's the longer you screw that thought in that you're depressed and you're sad, then the more real it becomes and the more difficult it can be to climb out of that rabbit hole. But you can come out of that hole. Other people have have shown us the way. So identifying with how you feel, also not positive. So then what if we start identifying with our intelligence? Well, intelligence can come and go. Right, I can be the smartest room, per, smartest person in the room when it comes to, you know, how to drink a gallon of water a day and always find a bathroom, and then go into a room where nobody cares about that. Then all of a sudden, I'm a dunderhead. So identifying yourself based off of intelligence is really subjective to based on what it is you're talking about and who it is you're talking to. If you start to identify, <clears throat> excuse me, based on your skills or abilities, right again. You know, I could shoot a basketball better than anybody else, but if I go into a room where uh, writing is the preferred skill and all I know how to do is shoot a basketball, I ain't looking that stand out in that room now, am I? Right? Physical looks? Oh, I definitely wouldn't be identifying with those too much. I mean, one, accidents happen, knock on wood, that it doesn't, but certainly... (laughs) I'm not even talking about brutal accidents either. I'm just talking about going to the hairdresser and it coming out not the way you want it. <laughs> you can put on all the makeup you want, but at some point you wash it off and there you are. You can put on all the muscles you want, but at some point, you know, you are just who you are, right? You can you can be incredibly great looking and just be a dick and congratulations for you. You're just a good looking person no one wants to be around. Identifying with our looks is, the you know, to me, it's right up there with identifying with our feelings. It's just so surface level, just an ebb and flow of the wind. So in the research I came across, and I'm going to get us out of here on this soon, uh, a lot of the different stuff I came across said identify ourselves with constants. Like, and then I say, well, there's often the things that we think of as being constants aren't necessarily constant if we look at them from the ground up, right? You know, you could say, well, I, I have discipline. Okay, well, great. Is that a constant? Is there somewhere in my life that I'm not? 
Um, I could say that I, I, I am virtuous, but oh, have there been times in my life where I have not been virtuous? So when we start to try to identify ourselves by the roles we play, by the beliefs that we have, by what we like or don't like, uh, we start to put, try to put ourselves in these boxes, right? We try to identify ourselves again with these labels that we put on ourselves, which, you know, in, in and of itself, a label is limiting, limiting just like our beliefs are. You know, it's what Tommy Boy say, you know, I can slap a guarantee on a box of shit, but all you really got is a guaranteed box of shit. I mean, slapping a label on something doesn't doesn't actually help it. I mean, obviously, I want my, you know, boxes of food that I buy at the store to be labeled because I don't just want to randomly be buying boxes with, you know, question marks on it. And I get home and I've bought, you know, I don't know, anchovies and what I really wanted was Rice Krispies. But when it comes to ourselves, slapping a label on ourselves, it's limiting. Limiting ourselves to what we believe, to our patterns, to our to our uh, our sequences, to our habits, to our opinions, to our emotions. I mean, any of these things, labeling any of these, it doesn't help us. It limits us. If I was going to label myself as anything, I would rather go with limitless and just say, I am, I am everything and then I am nothing. I am exactly who I need to be in any given moment with the ability to be self-aware and evaluate my behaviors and my actions, my thoughts and my feelings, you know, the whole CT far, right? An event occurs, I have thoughts, I have feelings, they spark an action, I get results. I am self-aware enough to be able to run through that cycle and realize I am beautifully perfect and beautifully imperfect. I'll evaluate what happens. And I and I will look to apply it differently the next time to get a more favorable, desirable outcome. All of this to say, and I think I've I swear I've said that sentence like five times in this podcast, and I'm still talking. <laughs> Almost because I feel like if I keep rambling on about this, that somewhere in my mind the chatter monkeys will get together and everything will fall together like. Tetris, and all of a sudden I'll have this big popping epiphany, and I'll be able to give you this enlightening answer that will take you all the way to the path of enlightenment. <laughs> Fancy words, it's still not coming. When I was driving to the gym today, after I had this thought about I am not what I do, and you know, I'm going and I've got my got my little workout book and I've got my water and, you know, I'm thinking about, you know, the exercises I'm going to do and then the coaching session I had later on that day and then I was thinking about my lunch and all that stuff. It's like I do all of these things. I have these well-formed outcomes for what I want to achieve in 2022. With my physical body, it's, you know, it's getting, uh, I would like to put on 12 pounds of muscle. I'd like to maintain, you know, a relatively stable weight as I do this. I'd like to stand up straighter and keep my shoulders back because I want to be mindful of my posture as I grow older. With my emotional intelligence, I want to be more self-aware and mindful of how I'm managing my emotions, opening up to the ability to um, share my emotions with my loved ones more readily and not be afraid of them rejecting them. I, w- I want, with my mental acuity, I want to be up-leveling myself by, you know, going through one awesome book that I really want to decipher once a month and really diving into it through Audible and then you going in and finding the PDF of it and really taking some notes. So rather than trying to read 52 books, which is what I told myself I wanted to do this time last year, and I got up to like 30 or 40 
and most of them were audible. Just because I walk so much, it just seemed easier. But what I noticed is I wasn't really retaining much of that information. So I said, okay, well, this this was great. I'm glad I had damn near achieved 52. But at some point I thought, I'm just you're just crushing through books you know, at like 1.5 speed so you can hear the information, but you're not really doing anything with it. So let's slow it down and let's actually dive into some good stuff. Uh, one of the books I'm going to go into is going to be uh, Jack Canfield's Success Principles and that nature. Anyways, I really want to dive into at least 12 awesome books, dissect them and really apply them into my life. Um, obviously, I'd like to write my my book that I've been talking about for so long and release it during what would be my five-year soberversary is January 13th, so I will be moving into my sixth year of sobriety, and I very much would like to write my book and have it come out before I hit my sixth-year soberversary. And then when it comes to my spirituality, my morals, ethics, and values, I just want to be very self-aware of where I'm not living up to my highest self, and I'm working toward that. And I'm mindful of it, right? So those are my big, well-formed outcomes. And that's just a minuscule amount, but it's the ones I could think of in the moment. And I've mind-mapped them, and I've listed them out, and I've, you know, I've got objectives, and I've, I've understand the strategies, and I'm setting goals, and I'll be moving toward it. And I'll have my accountability mirror, and I'll have my mentors, and I'll have my own coaches and my own therapists that I check in with that we make sure that we're, we're moving myself forward. And so as I was thinking about all of this in the car on the way to the gym and definitely at the gym. I realized that while all of this is amazing and all of this is awesome and it gives my 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 life a sense of fulfillment and purpose and and my and my purpose and my passions all can be channeled into this show and, and into you guys and, and wanting you to also seek these things in yourselves. I also realized that whether I achieve all of these things or not, it matters less about achieving them 100% as it matters more about seeking to achieve them. And I'm getting shivers when I say that, so maybe that's the well-formed outcome for this podcast, is that it's not necessarily about achieving 100% of what we envision for ourselves as much as it is about really seeking to achieve it, seeking to go on the journey. There are some journeys that we go on where we absolutely want to get to the destination. I leave Los Angeles. I drive to Huntsville. I absolutely want to show up in Huntsville. I don't want to show up in, in you know, Wichita and then just be like, well, okay, I guess I'm in Wichita now. <laughs> it's like that was absolutely one with a well, well-formed outcome of where I wanted to get to. But when it comes to things in your own life, that's less defined. What it is you're going to achieve is a great idea in your head, and then you get it out on paper, you get it out on audio, you get it out of your head, and you get it in some tangible form in front of you. And then it becomes real. But what it actually ends up looking like and feeling like and sounding like, and in some cases even tasting and smelling like, when you get there, it's more than likely not going to be an exact replication of what you originally had in your head. That's just the way that it is. Right, even if you Tom Brady wins his eighth Super Bowl this year, is it going to be? Is it going to feel and sound and 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 look exactly like he thought it would, or is it just going to be whatever it is in the moment? And in that moment, it's so beautiful and overwhelming that you completely forget what you ever thought it would be, and you are just happy with it being. 
when we move toward this the more desirable version of ourselves, it's not to get away from the other version, the less desirable version of ourselves that we were previously. It's not to get away from a label as much as it's just to expand our universe so far beyond that label that no one could even begin to define us as that because we become undefinable. We literally just become us. I am Jesse. That is the that is that is that is the only label. Somebody, man, what do you, what would you say about Jesse? Like, I don't know. He's just Jesse. And if somebody were to say, okay, well, if you are just Jesse, then who is that? I could be fun. I could be jovial. I could be interesting. I can be witty and funny. And then there's other times where I'm not those things. So if I'm not always those things, and I'm not always not those things, then I don't want the label of those things. And now I just feel like I'm busting out riddles like I'm the Cheshire Cat in Alice in Wonderland. But it really, when this when this episode's done, and I swear it's getting ready to happen, I want more for you to just step back from the labels, to step back from thinking that you are what you've done or that you are what you're doing, and not to send you off into this this state of an identity crisis. Realize that your identity identity can be undefinable. You can be everything and nothing, perfectly imperfect. You don't need to have a label. Obviously, there will be people who will say labels to your face. Hey, mom. Hey, dad. Hey, boss. Hey, employee. I don't know if people call employees employee to their face, but whatever, right? And you know, people, hell, your name is not really who you are. It's just the most easiest way to identify other humans. If not, we will, we're going to just walk into the house and be like, hello, tall person who sleeps here also, right? <laughs> I mean... We we get slapped with with labels from the moment we're born, and we live with them all the way until we die. And even in the end, our whole eulogy is nothing but a replaying of the labels that people have put upon us and that we have grown toward. They graduated, you know, it's like, uh, if, if you're a best-selling New York Times author, it's like one of the very first things that people will put in your obituary. But that's just a small piece of who you are. A really great friend back in the day named Bruce wrote this really cool poem, and I, I can't find it anymore on my computer. I thought I had it, but the gist of it was, it, when you look on a tombstone, and it, like for me, I'm born in 1976, and let's say I'm blessed to live to 2076, right? So it would, my tombstone would say, well, I'm not going to get buried, but play, run with me on this. <laughs> a tombstone says 1976-2076. Your entire life is encompassed on a tombstone in that hyphen. As you walk through a cemetery and you see all these people's names, they might put some labels and some identifiers on the tombstone. But all you really know about them is whatever those labels are, their name, and you know what year they were born and what year they died. Their entire life lives inside that hyphen. Your entire life one day will be summed up by a hyphen. It's not who you are. You can expand beyond that hyphen, so it's an infinite line. You don't have to be what few words somebody can carve out onto a granite slab and pop down in the middle of a field. You're everything. And you can release it all and just be nothing sometimes. You are all-encompassing. And as we work on these amazing goals... 
and they look like however they look, and they feel like however they feel, and they sound like however they sound when we get there, we can just release expectations and just be in the moment, knowing that wherever we got to, it clearly meant enough for us to start the journey. So wherever we're at now, it's probably better than we were when we were wherever that was. It doesn't have to be perfect. And we might get there and be like, oh, damn, actually, the grass was greener on the other side. And now the grass is actually brown here. And then I look over at the other side it just was, and the grass looks greener there. And then you hop back over, and the grass looks brown. It's just because you're, you're too far away from the grass to actually see what color it is. So how about we stop worrying about the color of the grass? And we're just content being amazing. And we don't stop working on ourselves because of the infinite infiniteness of what I've been talking about. We're always seeking to grow. We're, we're do, we're, and we're doing that for, maybe it's because our soul's on a journey, and if you don't believe in that, then the soul's a one-off. And it's just whatever it is. All I want us to do is to release the identifiers of who we used to be and not cling so tightly to the identifiers of who we're becoming. And then just be love. Look those that you love in the eye and embrace them and tell them that you love them and be for them, be there for them when they need you and give them space when they need time by themselves. Know when you need space and know when, know when you need connection. And know that when you look in that mirror, who's looking back, that's the person you want to love you the most. And I think it's time that we embrace that person looking back at us. Because when all else fails, when no matter what happens in life, that person looking back, they'll be there for us. Jesse will be here for Jesse. You will be there for you. And that, that's not something that I think I could have said five years ago. That's not something I think I would have felt in my 30s or my 20s or my teens. And I'm getting massive shivers right now, so this is absolutely what I'm supposed to be saying. I'm there for me now, and that's something I never thought I could be. And I feel blessed. I feel blessed for that. And I hope that you can look in the mirror and you can be there for yourself too. And if not, it's coming. Keep listening to the show. Keep working your steps. Keep working your truths. Keep working it. Keep working it and working it and working it. Because that slogan's right. It works if you work it. If you pay it attention, your intention will flow and your attention will follow that intention. Life is beautiful over here. And even if this podcast has been super confusing to you, because I'm not so sure it hasn't been to me, it's still been worth our time. Because we've expanded our minds beyond what we previously thought was capable. And that, (laughs) that's a good day for me, no matter how I shake it. All right, then, my friends. As always, inclusivity over exclusivity, the power of positive energy, release and flow. If you'd like to get closer to this material, if you'd like to know more about the tribe, I've been talking about it now for the last 60 episodes. All you got to do is DM me on Instagram from sobriety to recovery or at Jesse Mogul. You can email me from sobriety to recovery at gmail.com. 
however it is you reach out, it is your turn. Stand up, raise your hand. I will call on you. I absolutely love that you guys spend so much time with me. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Shout out to Sunshine. Glow on. Wait. I almost forgot to sing my favorite line. Today is the best day of my life because I woke up sober. For those of you out there who uh, who love my squirreling, I hope I've made you happy today. And, you know, maybe I, rolled, maybe I reeled in the profanity. Probably not. Either way, I love you all. Please step up, raise your hand, reach out to me if you'd like to know more. Bye-bye now.